Okay, if you need a Bible this morning, raise your hand. If you need a, a pen, hold up a couple fingers. If you need a $100 bill, hold up two arms and uh, we'll... <laughs> ushers, if you could you do that, that'd be great. Well, guys, as you know, we started a brand new series at the beginning of this year on worship, and it's taken us three months plus to be able to get through all of it so far. And uh, we spent, I just, what I want to do is just kind of take time to revisit it and kind of review what we've talked about, and then we're going to wrap it up today. But we, we spent the first part of the series talking about the definition of worship and what is it? Well, you know, what, what is that definition? And we kind of came up with this really fancy, pretty snazzy definition um, for it, and it was simply this. It's the inherent attitude of a renewed thought life. And I know that sounds pretty, you know, wordy and whatnot, but really what we're trying to get at is what, what Romans 12 is talking about, where it says, do not be conformed to this world any longer, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind, exactly. And the true, true renewal at its basic root uh, the true renewal of our thought life is to understand that God is God and we aren't, really simply put. Um, because the world, you're going to notice that the world is going to continually try to tell you that you are the God of your life. You should be sitting on the throne. It's all about you. You need to get this. You need to own this. You need to have this. You know, please yourself. It's all about you. But Paul tells us to no longer be conformed to that kind of thinking because it's false. It's not true. Instead, we should be transformed into fully understanding that God is God, that Yahweh is the most high God and we aren't. And guys, as we focus on that and we truly let ourselves dwell on that reality, we can allow ourselves to begin to think some pretty big thoughts about God, which really, that was the simplified definition of worship that we came up with was Worship is, really is to think great big thoughts about God. And guys, when we start doing that really well, when we start thinking great big thoughts about God, we're going to find ourselves falling into the postures of worship that we spent a few weeks talking about and practicing. The, the raising of hands in, in thanksgiving, the shouting of his praises, singing spontaneous you know, phrases of worship, dancing in celebration to our Lord and, and kneeling before him you know, in adoration. All different outcomes of thinking great big thoughts about God. And you know, let me tell you, on Good Friday, by the way, how many of you guys were here for the Good Friday worship service? I mean, all right, group? Yeah, a bunch of people. It was awesome. And you know, I'll tell you what, it was so neat to see all these postures of worship being played out in the midst of the congregation. I mean, there was shouting in, in praise, raising of hands. There was, you know, spontaneous singing to God, kneeling in humble adoration and thankfulness to God. Um, now, during that, that worship time, if you were here, you remember I got up and I did a little talk about the cross. And I talked about how the cross is such an interesting thing because back then, it was a horrific form of torturous death. I mean, it would be like us looking at the electric chair and going, wow, the electric chair. Imagine having an electric chair up on the stage. It would just wouldn't fit right. But for us, the cross has become a symbol of beauty, a symbol of freedom, a symbol of God's redemption for us, the forgiveness of our sins. And so at the end of my talk, I said, guys, I would encourage you during this worship service, this worship time, to spend some, some time at the cross, to just spend some time thanking God for sending his son to die on a cross. So when I got done talking, I went down there and I thought, you know what, I'll kind of 
be the first to do this. I'll, you know, practice what I preach. And I went to the cross and I knelt down. And these lights that are up here now were down there. And I knelt down and the lights were like shining my eyes. And so I'm like, holy smokes. And so I put my arm up to, to block it. And I'm like, well, this is kind of weird, but I'll block the light. And I spent my time with Jesus and it was awesome. But I forgot about the lights. And so when I got to get up, I put my arm down, opened my eyes and boom, I think I fried my retinas. I mean, it was that, that bad. I felt like I was in heaven and the glory of God was all around me. It was awesome. And then for the rest of the service, I saw you guys come up and be like, you know, blocking. My, how many guys got blinded that night? Anybody? I was the only one? Oh, well, good. Well, I was going to say maybe we could help out with buying glasses if we got blinded by the light. But anyways. Well, then, in our series, we took the direction of looking at different encounters of worship. And we looked at different individuals uh, in Scripture that had encounters with Jesus, and their lives were changed forever. And it led to complete and utter worship to that for them. And, you know, the last one we talked about last week was Mary Magdalene on Resurrection Sunday um, when she encountered her risen Lord. And uh, what a precious encounter that was. I love that story. Well, today we're going to wrap up the series on worship. I wanted to end this series with kind of a, um, a wrap-up to encapsulate everything we've talked about and really encourage us to become regular worshipers of God. Um, I don't want this to be like, all right, we had our little series on worship, and now we can move on to something else, and we can forget about worship. Guys, no, we need to continue to be worshipers of God throughout our entire life. And, and hopefully this morning we will walk away with understanding that this is what we're created for in the first place, that our very DNA you know, needs and desires to worship God. We were designed for it. Now, during the course of this series, we took a Sunday to interview our very own worship pastor, Kirk Hansen, the guy who was up here, the guy who... Wasn't that cool? I think that's awesome. I mean, I can hardly sing afterwards. I'm like, how does he get that out and not mess it up? But he does every, every service. It was pretty cool. But we had Kirk come up here. And Kirk's role, I'm not sure if you knew this or not, in this body of believers is to make sure that weekly we are being led in to the worship of our Lord. That, that what happens in this building will lead each of us to think great big thoughts about God. That's his weekly role. And so we thought, well, you know, let's, let's interview him. So we got him up here. We interviewed him to get his take as to why we do this whole Sunday gathering thing. Okay, this thing that we call church service. Why do we do this? And I'll never forget his answer, and I hope none of us forget this answer, because he said this. He goes, first of all, we gather each Sunday in honor of our risen Lord. He rose on Sunday, and so we gather on Sundays in his honor. But we do this every Sunday to, listen to this, to purposely reorient our minds back to focusing on God. It's kind of like a spiritual discipline of sorts where we do this over and over and over to practice keeping our minds focused on God. Because, guys, as you know, the truth is, in our daily lives, there is a million things in this world that will try to draw us away from thinking about God. Amen? Happens all the time. So each Sunday, we once again gather together as a family as one unit to worship our God. And hopefully that reignites within us a desire to continue that throughout the week. And Kirk is dead on with that answer. 
That's why we're here today. That's why we gather every Sunday. Now, I realize that for some of us, going to church on Sunday mornings isn't a weekly occurrence, okay? We, we don't do it regularly. In fact, like last week's a great example. Last week was Resurrection Sunday. We had over 1,100 people in this building. We normally have 700 about each, each week. So there's 400 people that came out of the woodwork and came to church that don't regularly come to church on a normal weekly occurrence. And that's kind of a normal thing. People will come to church on Christmas Eve and on Resurrection on Sunday. But it's also true that those of us who just aren't Christmas and Resurrection Day, you know, church attenders, we also can fall off the wagon on going to church. It's easy to do. I mean, one day we might be sick. And we're like, oh, I can't make it to church. Well, then the next Sunday, you know, we wake up late and we'll be like, yeah, you know what, I, I can't make it. And so we go two weeks. And then the third week, we're like, oh, they probably don't even remember who I am, so I'm not going to show up. And, and then on and on it goes. Which, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> this is always funny to me because when I'm like out in public or I, I'll go to Pick and Save or Home Depot or whatever, and I bump into someone who goes to church here, I, I love coming up and like, hey, man, how you doing? You know, talking to them. But now I'm a little timid to do it because it's funny when you come up to people and they haven't been at church for a while, they just get so uncomfortable and they just start going, oh, boy, Luke, I'm so, so sorry. You know, we haven't been at church and I don't, you know, Tommy broke his ankle and we've been, you know, doing this and JoJo is in volleyball and uh, we've just been so busy. It's just been, oh, we'll get back there. We'll try to be there Sunday and everything. And I'm just like, no, no, dude, it's okay. You know, don't have to worry about it. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Here's a little tip, okay? This is for free. I'll give you this to, for you for free this morning. Um, if you see me in public and you haven't been to church for a long time, just come up to me and say, dude, great sermon Sunday. That was awesome. <laughs> I love the series we're going through. It's fantastic. I won't know any different. I'll be like, dude, that's awesome. Great to see you. We'll see you Sunday, already. So just a little tip. But you know, trust me, I, I get it. I understand how life is hard and it's busy and it's full of different things that rob us of our time. So I'm not here this morning to guilt anyone for not being here on Sundays. I'm really not. I'm just, I'm not one of those pastors who, you know, try to guilt people into do that. I actually went to a church one time where they took attendance. Yeah, they would pass attendance down the aisles and you had to write your name. And it used to tick me off so much that I'd write like famous people's names. I'd be like, Mel Gibson, you know. And they'd be like, Mel Gibson was at church? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it just used to tick me off. So I, I'm not that kind of guy. In fact, I, I had a, a, a buddy of mine told me, he says, hey Luke, you need to call so-and-so because uh, he's really ticked at you. I'm like, man, I, what did I do? So I called him up and I says, hey, bro, uh, I'm just calling you because I heard that you're, you're upset at me. He says, yeah, you're right. I, I am really ticked at you. I'm like, dude, what did I do? I'm so sorry. And he goes, I haven't been at church for like five months and you have never called me to check in on me. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I don't know. I just wouldn't, don't normally do that. And, and I'm like, well, what would you want me to do? And he goes, well, just call me. Tell me to get my butt into church. So I'm like, well, dude, get your butt into church. <laughs> and he's like, well, actually, we're moving out of state now, so we can't go to church. I'm like, okay. But guys, I, honestly, that's, that's not me. I won't do that. And sorry if that makes you mad, but I never want to guilt people into coming to Sunday worship services. Because here, here's why. Worship is never to be forced. 
Everyone who truly worships does so because he or she wants to. And that's why I don't, I don't want to guilt people into coming to Sunday worship service. I don't want you to be sitting here going, well, if, Luke, if I don't come, Luke's going to call me. Now, of course, you have the occasional husband that the wife drags along and you're just kind of, all right, I've got to go to church because my wife wants me to. Or, or you know, you kids, you, some of you kids are sitting here like, well, my parents dragged me here today. I'm not coming voluntarily. And the reason we do that for our kids is because we want to develop a muscle memory in their lives where they realize that this is a good thing and it's a normal thing to come to church. And, you know, hopefully, you know, this is going to be a temporary thing where it's not something you want to do. Hopefully, you'll grow out of that. Hopefully, you'll come to a point where you're going to realize that this is a good thing and, and you need this. Because if not, you'll just quit coming altogether. But I'll say this, true Christian worship is to be voluntary. So why do we do it? Why is it important? Why do we continue to worship God regularly with other followers of God? And that's what I want us to look at this morning. And I'm sure there's many reasons why I think it's important for us to do that, but I just want to focus on three as to why we worship God. And the first reason is this. Worshiping God creates a deep sense of unity and belonging amongst us. On Good Friday night, those of you who were here, um, you'll know what I'm talking about, but when we all gathered in this room to worship God together, there was around 300 people there was a deep sense of oneness that filled the room. We, we weren't 300 different individuals, we were one. We were one body, we were one family, one organism gathered together to praise our maker, our redeemer, our, our savior, our king. And that night was not about us. We, we weren't all here trying to get people to think and look at us. No, we were here to think about God, to, to praise God, to worship God. Plain and simple, that's why we're here. And in doing so, we experienced a deep sense of unity. Let me show you a passage in Acts of how the early church experienced a deep sense of unity. Acts chapter 2, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles and all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad hearts and, uh, glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people, of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In that early church, there was a deep sense of community, a deep sense of unity. And you know what, guys? I'll be honest. I sense the same thing here in our midst here at Whitestone. I'll tell you something. When I come here on Sunday morning, I have this deep sense of belonging with you. I really do. You are my family. You are my brothers and my sisters and and, and God is our Father, and, and we're doing life together, not against each other. And I just love that. When, when you guys, I don't know if you know this, but when you walk in the door and I see you coming, I'm just like, my heart kind of leaps. I'm like, oh, there's so-and-so, and there's, you know, there's John, there's Sally, there's, you know, all, all you guys. It just it makes me excited because you're my family. And I want to walk up there and give you a hug and say, hello, you know, it's great to see you. 
And I, and I love standing up here and seeing all of you sitting here gathered together as one family to praise and worship God and to learn more about him. I love that. We're in this together. We are one. We are a family. We are one body. And you know what's crazy? The truth is we couldn't be more different. I, I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but we are so different from each other. It's a little bit like this, this wall behind me. You know, when Kirk and Steve put this up, I'm sure this was part of Kirk's thinking, was just the difference of all these boards. I mean, look at how different these are. Some are, you know, fat and short, and some are long and skinny. Some are cracked, and they have flaws, and they have mistakes and cuts. And, and, and you know, it, you, you look at all these things, and every board is different. It's a lot like us. And every once in a while, you have a, bird that, a board that's straight up and down. Now, I'm not naming names, but there's some of us who we just don't go with the flow. We're up and down people. But when you step back and you look at this, you just see the beauty of it all put together. And that's what unity is like. And yet every single thing is different. Let me show you how different we are. Let's just do this for fun, have a little fun this morning. If you're a woman this morning, stand up. Now look around, around at these men sitting down. You couldn't be more different from these men than an orange is from a lemon, or from an apple. I mean, it's just, we're different. You can figure us out in five minutes. We take all our lifetime to figure you out. It's just, there's, there's different. All right, you can sit down, women. Jerry, you laughed a little too loud on that one, so you may pay for that. All right, if you are 30 years old or younger, stand up. Look around at all these old people sitting around you. You know what's funny about you younger people? You're, you're always on your phone, okay? All the old people sitting around you, we don't know how to use our phone, okay? It's just a reality. Uh, there's differences between, you know, the younger generation and older generation. Older generations, they've been to war. They, they fought battles where the younger generation hasn't. The older generation, they know what it's like to have worked long and hard for something. Where the younger generation in our society right now, it's, it's instantaneous. We put something in the microwave, bing, 30 seconds later, we have it. So there's a difference with that. You can sit down. If you were born in another country beside the United States, stand up. Okay, what country were you born in? China. China, okay. Whole different culture there, right? Okay, how about you? Where were you born? Israel. Whole different culture there. Anybody else? Philippines. Philippines, exactly. Okay, so guys, here are three people who were born in different countries. Oh, I missed you over there. Sorry, where were you? Russia. All right, whole different culture there. You get these people who have born and raised in these places. It's a different culture. It's completely different. Having grown up in South America, I, I know that. It's, it's a reality. Okay, now, here's an interesting one. If you are a blue-collar worker, stand up. If you work in one of the trades or, you know, work with, with your hands with that, stand up. Okay? You can look around and you can see these people who are white-collar. They work in offices or they're salesmen or whatnot. Completely different jobs. Completely different way of working. And yet, we join together on Sundays as one. You can sit down. All right. If you like winter, stand up. See, you're this. 
you're weird. Something very wrong with that. Sit down. All right, those of you who can't stand coffee, stand up. Look at you guys. Now, one thing about you guys is you make us feel guilty for liking it. You're always like, oh, you drink coffee? Oh, that stuff's terrible for you, whatever. I just, I drink my tea or my Diet Coke. All right, you can sit down. Any vegetarians? Stand up. Two, three. Wow, this is the vegetarian service. There was one last service. She was like, yeah. Yeah, you're different. You, you know, you're eating just, just vegetables. That's a whole completely different sort of thing. All right, here's one. Uh, anyone who has been to college and has a degree in education, stand up. Okay, look around you. You can see different levels of education here. All right, you can sit down. Here's one just for fun. Those of you who use an Android phone rather than an iPhone. See? You all have attitudes. You're like, oh, yeah. I don't use Apple. I hate iPhones. We're the Android people. You guys have attitudes. You're different. All right, here comes the doozy. This is the big one. Those of you who like any other football team besides the Packers, stand up. Next week, you're going to have the two front rows reserved for you, okay? All right. We're different. Now, guys, I could go on and on with all the differences that we have right here in our own midst. And, man, I didn't, I didn't even mention the biggie. Political parties. Yeah. We have Democrats right here in our midst. We have Republicans right here in our midst. I'm not going to make you stand up. Don't worry. But that's the beauty of it. We have people on both sides of the aisle on issues like that, but it doesn't matter to you. You still love each other and you still consider yourselves brothers and sisters because you know, at least you better know, that government is not the answer to the world's problems. Obama was not the answer to the world's problems. Trump is not the answer to the world's problems. No president is the answer. No political party is the answer. You want to know why? Because only Jesus is the answer to the world's problems. And so we gather each week as a family with all of our differences and all of our different viewpoints and, and all of our different backgrounds and life situations with all of our differ, differing levels of intelligence, different levels of wealth. And we gather into a single whole and we worship the one true God. And in doing so, listen to me here, we experience a oneness that is truly supernatural. All of our quarrels and disagreements and misunderstandings, they fade away into insignificance when we experience the deep unity of worshiping our God. Amen? Worship creates oneness. And that's why we worship on a weekly basis. Second reason why we need to be involved in continual worship is that worship is an act that develops feelings for God. 
I know that sounds kind of weird. Let me explain if I can to kind of wrap our heads around this. But uh, here's the deal. If you look at Scripture, you're going to see all throughout Scripture that we are commanded to worship God. It's not a suggestion. We're, we're commanded. Like here, you know, we've seen this in our series, but let me just hit a few here. Uh, Psalm 29, it says, Ascribe to the Lord glory, do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Psalm 100, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Now, if you look at those three verses, those are not suggestions. It's not saying, hey, you may want to consider doing this. No, that we are told to do this. It's telling us what to do, and what we are to do is to praise God, to worship him. And why? Well, the answer is obvious. He's worthy of it. I mean, there's a lot of things why he deserves worship. One main thing in my own life, and I'm sure all the rest of us, is that, you know what? When we make a mistake and we sin against God and we make a mess of our lives, he doesn't just abandon us and walk away. No, he enters into our mess, into our situation, into our troubles, and he saves us, and he forgives us, and he heals us. And that's the reality in our lives. And I'll tell you, that right there makes him worthy of worshiping and praise. Amen? And guys, when we praise and worship him, we are functioning at the very core of our being. We are in touch with God, with a God who created us in this way. This is how we're created to be. But you know what? Here's the deal. Here's the problem so often. And, and we're just going to be honest with ourselves. Let's just be real this morning. Let's get everything on the table. Very often, we just don't feel like it. We don't feel like worshiping or praising God. Truth is, I mean, if we're just going to be real, that's why a lot of us don't come to church on a regular basis, because we don't feel like it. We don't feel like worshiping God or, or praising him. And, and people will often tell me, they'll say, listen, Luke, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. And it would be dishonest of me to show up at church and to worship because the truth is, I don't feel like it. But you know what, guys? As you can see on the screen behind me in those verses, Scripture says to every single one of us in this room, it says, listen, I don't care if you feel like it. The command is, you are to worship him. You are to praise him. That is a decree. It has nothing to do with how you feel. Now, you might be saying, hold on, Luke. At the beginning, I mentioned, you mentioned how worship is never to be forced. People who truly worship, worship because they want to. Yeah, I did say that, but I never said we worship because we feel like it. Feelings can be great liars. If Christians only worshiped when they felt like it, there would be precious little worship on this planet today. Feelings can be important in all different aspects of life, but I'll tell you, when it comes to our walk with God, honestly, they are completely unreliable. Because often we don't feel like doing anything. I don't feel like memorizing scripture. I don't feel like praying a lot. I don't feel like digging into the word of God and studying. I don't feel like it. But if you pay attention to the Bible, the Bible doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about how we feel. 
And I know that's hard for us, especially in this time and place in, in our world today, because the truth is we live in a time period where everything is about sensation. We do things because of how it feels. And if we don't feel anything, then it must not be real. But you know what? God says something different. He says, do what I tell you to do, and you will feel how you're supposed to feel. He doesn't say do something only if you feel like it. I was reading a book the other day by Eugene Peterson, and he says this. We can, we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Ponder that for a second. Let me ask all of you something. How many of us, we want to work out and stay healthy and thin and have six-pack abs and look good? How many of us want to? Raise your hand. You can be honest. All right. Yeah, we all do. But if we wait around until we feel like working out, <laughs> truth is not much of us will be working out. It's, it's just a reality. No, we do something and the feelings will follow the actions, not the other way around. I, in my garage, I have my little workout room that I work out in periodically <laughs> when I feel like it. <laughs> Uh, but I have this little poster on the wall that says this, and I, I love it because it says this. It goes, man, do I regret that workout, says no one ever. <laughs> you know, it's true, isn't it? Before the workout, you're just like, oh, I do not want to do this. But then you go through the entire workout, and at the end, how do we feel? I'm like, sweet daddy, yeah, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I should work out every day. You know, we, we, get it. we love it. But at the front end, we certainly didn't feel like it. Well, guys, the Bible tells us to worship and praise God. And let me tell you, when we do that, when we obey that, the feelings of love and friendship towards God are fostered and they're deepened. The feelings follow the actions. And that's why we worship and praise God on a weekly basis as one big family. You know, ask most people who will walk in through those doors on a Sunday, ask them, say, hey, you know, did you feel like coming to church today? Most of them, I would say 90% of them would say, oh man, I wanted to come to church, but boy, I did not feel like, I didn't feel like getting out of bed. But in the end, I knew it would be what God wanted me to do, and so they came to church. But you ask them on the way out, saying, how, how, are you glad you came? They will all tell you, absolutely, I'm so glad I came. Worshiping God with my brothers and sisters was one of the greatest things I could do today. And they feel closer to God and more in love with God because they chose to come in through those doors. Worship is an act that develops feelings towards God. And that's why we worship God on a weekly basis. Now let's wrap up with the last point of worship. This may seem weird, but worship really whets our appetite for God. I once heard a pastor say to all of us, he he said, listen, each Sunday church service, we give you only enough to last you a week. You're gonna have to come back next week for more, but we're just gonna give you just enough for it. And you know, that's always bothered me because it's not even true. Worship doesn't satisfy our hunger for God. Not at all. In fact, it does just the opposite. It whets our appetite for even more of him. When we worship God, we want more of him. 
We can't get enough of him. Our need for God isn't taken care of when we engage in worship with God. Not at all. It only deepens. Our need deepens. It's kind of like David in the Psalms. You know, I don't know if you've read this verse before, but I love it. David says this. He goes, this is the one thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek. It's like David saying, if there's one thing I could have, this is what I want. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, I don't know about you, but this certainly doesn't seem like David is satisfied with one hour of God, and then, hey, I need to take a break, because that's just enough to get me through the week. He isn't like, hey, God, I'm going to worship you for an hour and just fill up the tank, and then I'll see you next week. No, David is like, sweet daddy, God, I just want to dwell in your house all the days of my life. I just want to look at you. I want to gaze at you. I want to stare at you. I can't get enough of you. And you know, as a pastor here at Wysun, that's what I hope happens every Sunday. I want this hour to permeate your week. I want this hour each Sunday to whet your appetite for more of God in your daily routines. I want this hour of worship to cause you to desire Jesus more and more and more in your daily living. This hour should stop short your worldly thinking of having to live out the rat race. It should just put a stop in it. It should cancel out the noise of the world that, you know, where the world's trying to get you to worry and to fret and be fearful and to, to, you know, scheme and manipulate and cheat, just try to get by. No, this hour should cause you to see that you are a child of the living God who loves you and cares for you and knows your every need and is with you every step of every day, allowing you to live out the dignity of being the very thing God created you to be, which is a child of God resting in the arms of his father, his or her father, basking in the peace and the provision of God himself. That's what this hour should bring. And that's why I encourage you to keep coming each Sunday. Keep coming. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just trying to encourage you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't set it aside for some other activity. Keep coming each week to worship God. Not because you feel like it, because truth is, there's going to be some days you don't feel like it. But come because your God tells you to. And knowing that if you do, you're going to be joining hundreds of other people who are part of this living, breathing family of God with all sorts of differences as we saw before. And yet we're all one. Come here knowing that this is a place where you belong. And knowing that if you come, you will experience deeper feelings towards God, which in turn is going to whet your appetite for even more of him. Which really, guys, that's the life we were created to live. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every person in this room. And God, truth is, probably the majority of us didn't feel like coming this morning. But we came and we gathered together as one big family. And we gathered in your presence and we worshiped you and God, I know we all walk out of here changed because of it. 
And God, I pray that our experience of you this morning may it simply just deepen our feelings towards you. And may it whet our appetite to want more of you this week. And may we not just settle for one hour each week, but may we just want more of you every day. And like David, may we, may we just seek your face. May we want to just gaze at your beauty and your goodness. And may the things of this world, may they just grow strangely dim and set aside. And may we see you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.